my, my secret to success would be making sure that you have receipts and then knowing when knowing when to cash the chips in in the relationship game. How's it going, guys? And welcome to another episode of Secrets of Silent Success. Today, we have the one and only Jonathan Jones. How you doing this afternoon? I'm good, Doc. How you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. So we'll, we'll jump right into it. Is that okay? Let's go. Let's go. Cool, cool. So uh, you have the Your Podcast Mentor Show, all right? Yep. Tell me, how did you become your podcast mentor? Yeah, so it, it, was, it was just like, like any other area or any other industry, I took time and I said, what's happening in the industry, right? This was after I looked up and I didn't realize I had six years experience in terms of podcasting. And then I said, well, how can I help more people do what I've done? Because before I didn't take it as serious. And then I went back and I started looking at my track record. Okay, I've helped this many people, that many people start shows and everything like that. So then I just accepted it. I embraced it and then just started moving with it. So your podcast mentor. Got you, got you. So I don't want you to give all your secrets out there, right? (laughs) But let's talk a little bit about something simple. What's the biggest mistake people make when having a podcast? Not even starting out, just in general. What's the biggest mistake people are doing when they have a podcast? The the biggest mistake I think people have is not training their audience. And Mm. And I say not training their audience because a lot of times, you know, depending on who we hear, what content we hear people share, they say, start the podcast, start the podcast. Then people start it. Right. And then right at about that two year mark, then they start getting frustrated. They're like, I'm not making money from the podcast. Why aren't people paying me? And it's because you didn't train your audience to take out their wallet at some point in time to type in their email address or their telephone number or something at some point in time. And if you don't train your audience, then they're going to they're going to think, okay, this is a one way relationship. I listen to you and you just continue to give me information for free. So you got to train your audience to make sure that when it comes time for you to sell something or offer them something that they'll be ready to buy. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I love that and how succinct that was. So again, not trying to take all the secrets, right? (laughs) But if you say, Hey, what's one thing you can do to start training that audience? Is it, you know, get an email list? Is Mm -hmm. it, you know, buy a subscription or, or Hey, like, and reshare. What's something that you Mm -hmm. can start off that say, you know, a, a slow end, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. To training your Mm -hmm. audience before it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm behind a paywall now. Buy from me. And I'm like, no, yeah. Right, so what, what's the what's the first step? <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the first step would be identifying what type of business you have. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then from there, you could easily do something, something for free. Right. So it could be like a checklist. It could be like a mini course. It could be a video or a couple of videos that you might have shot a few years ago or whatever sure, it might sure. be. And then you can just give people the opportunity say, hey, you know, we're, we're doing a free mini course just for you being a faithful subscriber or follower of the show. You can go and get access to it at this link down in the show notes. So now you're training people. And just like you said, it's a slow creep because you're training them to at least take an action. Gotcha, so gotcha. taking the action of giving the email address, taking the action of putting in their phone number, whatever it might be. Yeah. Now we're in a spot to where, you know, you're building that relationship because they're giving you something and then you're giving them something back in return with, you know, the freebie or whatever that thing might be. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So one of the things I noticed, even for myself, mm-hmm. especially when you start out, unless you already have a, you know, a large following, when you first start mm-hmm. your podcast, you're going to get two views, three views, mm-hmm. 14 views. You're like, I got 50 views on uh-huh. this, right? <laughs> or, or 20 listens yeah, or one yeah. download and you're excited about that. Uh, how do you 
train people or coach people on staying consistent and persevering when, hey, you can be on episode 100 and still not see any traction. True, true. So when, when, when it comes to if somebody is an entrepreneur or they're looking at having the podcast to you know, help grow their business or help create awareness, you have to understand, one, making a podcast your priority, you make a podcast a priority. And this is the reason why I say to that. To me, make the podcast a priority. <laughs> but, th- but, th- this, but this is the why I say, and, and for you, like I told you, you put out you put out great quality content. Thank when you. I see, I'm like, man, this is shot really well and these are really good questions that you're asking. Yeah. But, but the reason I'm saying that is because if we look at whatever business, and I, I don't want to go, you know, like McDonald's or all these other places, even though McDonald's has had a podcast at some point. Yeah, I believe it. A, a lot of people don't know that at one point. <laughs> But the thing is, you're going to put energy and effort into marketing somewhere. And a lot of people throw marketing dollars at a lot of things. But if, but imagine if on your podcast, you're giving people a great bite of what you do. You're giving people some of your gems, like some of your secret sauce yeah, is yeah. on your podcast. Why would you not want people to hear it? Because once they hear it, now they're going to say, oh, wow, I didn't know. Oh, Micah talked about this. Oh, wow. I need to learn more from you. Sure. And then as they learn more from you, then that's how we reel them in. And then they'll start to trust you more. And when you start to trust somebody, it's a relationship. And then you're more likely to do business with those people. So I say make the podcast your marketing strategy or your marketing arm because you're going to market some way. So yeah. why not make it why not make it intentionally the podcast versus just throwing money at Facebook ads, which is a whole nother process in itself. Boy. And <laughs> that is a challenge. We're not even gonna go there, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting that you talked about, hey, just use the podcast as a marketing tool, a soft marketing tool. Yeah. I can name four clients right now that mm-hmm. I was able to get by having them as uh, a guest on a podcast. And some of them reached out to me to be on the podcast, right? So you just show them what you can do. You have a conversation. People do business with people they like. That's and it. you already start to build a relationship. And before you know it, your podcast is monetizing itself just in a different fashion. And and I'm glad you said that because a lot of times people think when they hear podcast monetization, the first place everybody wants to run to, oh, podcast sponsorship. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and, and when we talk podcast sponsorship, we see the ones that's advertised, the ones that's, mm-hmm. you know, people getting paid ungodly amounts. It might seem Joe like. Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Joe Rogan, a hundred plus million. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then some of these other people like Wallow and Gilly, they also signed a hundred million dollar contract mm-hmm. with Barstool. And I was right, like, wait, yeah. we don't hear people talk about that one. But the other thing that people need to factor in is Wallow had attention. Mm-hmm, Wallow mm-hmm. did a great job of grabbing attention. So if you can learn to grab people's attention, you can monetize your personality. And your personality being monetized is you reading an ad for liquor, you reading an ad for whatever products you like and enjoy. Yep, yep. It doesn't have to just be a podcast sponsorship, but it can be you partnering with other companies who might just need attention because they're not getting attention to their brand. So then that can come about it as well. But man, there's so many other ways to monetize podcasts, products and services, courses, yep, coaching, yep. consulting, like all that stuff. As the podcast mentor, what's you know, two to three steps to uh-huh. really get people going on their podcasting journey? Gotcha. So I'm not I'm not gonna go into the steps about what you need because people can search that on YouTube. You can yeah. I'm gonna tell you, you can search how to start a podcast on YouTube and what you need. You can do that. So one of the most important steps though that I don't see mentioned is identifying your podcast purpose. 
You have to identify what you want your podcast to do, right? Do you, do you want it to help you drive leads? Do you want it to help you build authority? Do you want it to be something that you do for fun? That's not what I teach. I don't teach to do it for fun because, mm -hmm. I mean, you can do that for fun. You can shoot the breeze all you want, but... And it's crazy because when you said define your purpose, I was thinking you just define the show purpose on what you want it to do for your audience. But you're saying what you want it to do for you as an entrepreneur. Selfish. You, yeah, we have to. We wow. people are going into a podcast. Every time I ask people, I'm like, "What do you want your podcast to do?" Oh man, I want to make sure I, I impact people and give them the game. You're going to do that anyway. Sure, sure. What do you want from it? Like, <laughs> what it doesn't it doesn't make sense yeah. to do something that's going to only serve people out there. And and I, I feel the people who are philanthropic and everything like that. Praise God for you. But this is a society to where it's called capitalism. It's called <laughs> capitalism. You cannot pay your bills with hope. You can't like, oh, I hope the light bill gets paid this month. No, yeah. it's you better have it for the light bill to get paid this month. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you, you got you got to have a podcast purpose. Got to get clear on that, and then take time and then assess what call to action you need to have on your podcast. And just start practicing. Send people to Apple, leave a review. Send people over here to download the checklist like we talked about. Mm -hmm. Th those, those two things, I think, will really set people up for success. Getting clear on the purpose, right? Getting clear on the purpose. Because if you're clear on the purpose, let's just play a little numbers game. You're clear on the purpose, and you have 15 people that listen to your show. But the purpose of this show is to help you establish your authority. So you got 15 people that listen to the show, You've done, and we'll do it like this, and you've done seven episodes okay. on a niche on, we'll say, leadership, just for instance. Okay. Somebody can find your show. They can listen to all seven of those episodes, and they can say, wow, this person knows what they're talking about on leadership. I would love to have this person potentially come and speak. It could happen. Mm -hmm. one, one of my guys, Coach Ed Jones, he came through the program. He said... He said it was a handful of people that found him because of the podcast and they wanted him to speak. And this was 10 episodes in. Mm. He talks about player development. He has the player development pod. Haven't seen many player development pods out there. Yeah. No, no, that definitely makes sense. So you did mention the audience, right? You mm -hmm. know, bringing mm -hmm. in the audience, a captivated audience. Mm -hmm. Let's start there. What is your tips and strategies on, you know, creating a niche program, mm -hmm. gaining an audience, captivating the audience, making sure you have an audience that is engaged? What are some of your tips and, and strategies around that? So a lot of times your audience, well, let me, I'm going to break it down like this. So there's going to be target client and target audience. And I like breaking this yeah, down. Yeah, break that down. <laughs> yeah, I like breaking it down because the target audience sometimes could be the individual who just appreciates your content and they never have any intention on ever buying anything from you. Mm -hmm. But they're the person who just sitting there, okay, great content, great content. I like this. I can benefit from it. And they may or may not use it, right? That's target audience. But a target client is somebody who, who what who is in the position where you were before or they want to do what you're doing now right say okay. that one more say that one yeah. more time okay so <laughs> tar target target client is basically okay so so if if we were to rewind where you were in your business before you were you know we'll, we'll say successful we'll just say sure, successful yeah, yeah. so so we'll we'll say I'll just put it like this so on one side we'll say Target client could be a struggling entrepreneur who wants to be successful as an entrepreneur. Sure. Right? So they're the ones like, Where, how do I get clients? Where do I get clients from? I don't know. I can't find them. Or this is somebody who has already gotten clients, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they want to get more or they want to be able to bring clients in passively. 
Got you. Okay. Okay. So now that individual, that individual already has sustained themselves as an entrepreneur or mm -hmm. sustained their business, but at the same time, they want more. And if and the person that wants more, they understand that where I'm at right now and what I know right now, I'm still missing a few pieces. Okay. I'm still missing a few things. And that person has been seeking out who they need to take them to the next level. Mm -hmm. And they just need to know, okay, well, let me listen. Let me listen to the show. Let me take time and let me get to know this person. Once again, trust, like, and know. And as I get to know this person, I'm going to learn about the stories that they're telling. I'm going to yep. learn about the people that they've helped. I'm going to learn about the successes that they've had. And now I'll know that this person can help me based on what they've shared before testimonials and proof and everything like that yeah yeah uh, one of the interesting things that you were just talking about is telling stories right mm -hmm. i know you're a two-time tedx speaker i just did my first tedx speech last saturday wow so the biggest takeaway from my coach that i had shout mm -hmm. out to jared was telling stories mm -hmm. right i've done a public speaking so we're going to transition to the public speaking a little bit mm -hmm. right, i've done some public speaking and i don't feel like i was ever an you know active storyteller i was more mm -hmm. of a curator of information and then a disseminator of information right okay not necessarily a storyteller but talk to me about the importance of telling stories whether that's on the podcast or public speaking which we're transitioning to now yeah, so when, when it comes to telling stories, one thing that I love to make sure that people understand is if I was to bring up a certain struggle, right? If I was to bring up a certain challenge in my life, somebody somewhere, you know, would be able to resonate with that same challenge. Mm -hmm, so when mm -hmm. we tell stories, you know, if this is, you know, us losing a loved one or sure. this is us suffering our first breakup <laughs> or whatever it might be. That, that pulls on the heartstrings. Yep, and yep. then when we pull on the heartstrings, that begins to really reel people in because we get their attention. We're like, wait, what, what happened next? Oh, you felt like that? I went through that. And that's how we build that level of rapport with the audience, with yep. the client, with whoever it might be, with, with the individual who's, you know, who's out there listening mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. who is just trying to gather whatever information they need. So telling stories is one of the best ways to build that relationship and rapport. And my, my first coach, Kendall Ficklin, he talked about the 80-20 principle. He said, you give 80% story and 20% principle. That's wild to think about. Yeah. Just, just for me, I'm a very analytical guy. Uh -huh. And so when I'm listening to a lot of speeches and presenters, mm -hmm. I'm like, give even this may sound bad, even even um, at like maybe a, a worship service, a sermon, mm -hmm. or, or uh -huh. something uh -huh. that's a little bit more you know substantive in terms of uh -huh. religion, I'm like, Give me, give me the twenty percent. Yeah. But I'm all, I'm all about efficiency and effectiveness. So it was, it was a it was a mindset shift. But let's talk a little bit more about the public speaking, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me, how did you get into the public speaking, and how have you crafted your voice to tell your stories? Yeah. So uh, sh shout out to my coach Kendall Ficklin. Uh, I, I met up with one of my old teammates because I, I used to play junior college basketball before yeah. I went on and played, you know, at the University of Texas at Tyler. Uh, and I uh, got to put that on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. but, uh, uh, after meeting up with my teammate, he introduced him. He introduced Kendall to me, and from there, he was my my business coach. After okay. after my father, uh, he was my business coach, and then he would challenge us. Right, we would hop on a call, and he would give us a note card, and he would put a word on there, and he would give us a minute to tell a story. Toastmasters. Yeah, <laughs> but be, but better because I, I did Toastmasters too, yeah. and I. I mean, I have respect for Toastmasters. That's a whole other topic. Okay, yeah. We're, but, we're, uh, anyway, we're talking about the speaking coach. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> so, you know, doing the 80-20 principle, he would challenge us. He would say, you need to be able to stand up flat-footed and be able to give somebody a 45-minute presentation. Just roll. 
if wow. there's no if there's no PowerPoint, if there's no slides, if something goes wrong, you need to be able to rock it out. So Kendall was the one who really who really challenged that muscle in me from like looking in the mirror to me practicing and recording on my phone, me going through reps, walking through the room and just talking to imaginary people yeah, at times. Yeah, yeah. So that that was how that really uh, got built up. And then he was also the one who would challenge us every time we would go get a paid engagement or a gig at all. He would say, go get three more. Mm-hmm. every time go get three good job go get three more mm-hmm. so he challenged us and he really pushed us to really grind it out to really stay hungry at the same time still staying humble uh, so shout out to Kendall yeah, yeah yeah so you talked about that hey I got a paid gig it felt good mm-hmm. when I got my first paid gig it was like okay now go get three more yeah talk to me about going to get three more how have you had a sustained portfolio as a public speaker mm-hmm. so one of the things I think people sleep on a lot of times is they go into an engagement and the focus of the engagement is the engagement and I mean I think that's a that's a great train of thought but just like what we talked about before that's the foundation, right? You want to go in, you want to do a good job because you're supposed to do a good job, sure, right? Sure. People are paying you. Even if they're not, you have the opportunity and you're respected enough for somebody to want to hear and listen to you. Yes. But I want to challenge people out there. If you're out there and if you're a public speaker, aspiring public speaker, when you go into an engagement, the goal shouldn't just be do a good job. That's the bare minimum. But excellence or going from good to great, that would look like leaving that engagement with two more engagements lined up based off how you did in that one. Okay, break, break that down a little yeah, bit more. Are you, okay, going, okay. are you going to uh, individuals there, shaking hands, networking at the engagement, or are you just saying be so spectacular behind the mic that it's no way that someone's not going to go out there, leave that room without your contact information? What does that look like to be able to leave the engagement with two more engagements? Excellent, excellent. So, so I'm, I'm going to break this down two ways. One is more times than not, and I'm not insulting the audience uh, that individual speaking to, but more times than not, the audience does not know what a fantastic speaker looks like, sounds like, until they've heard a fantastic speaker. So they'll hear somebody and they're like, oh, wow, great job, because the majority of people are scared to death of public speaking. Mm-hmm. So, so almost, somebody's good enough is good enough. Yeah. Good enough. Like, oh, wow, that, w- that was great. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the first piece of that. But then the, the other piece is, yes, you want, you want to do a great job. But then don't don't miss out on the opportunity. If you present and then people come up to you after, be cordial to people. Sure, sure. Follow up with people. See how you can set up a time to talk with them, connect with them, learn more about what they do. Because a lot of times if you're speaking and depending on the conference or the type of engagement it was, that these people in the room are going to be more like the person who booked you to do the engagement. Sure, sure. So therefore, we don't want to – if you're – if you're the, the man of the hour or the woman of the hour, you don't want to lose the opportunity to connect with more of these people because it's, it's almost the equivalent of you being like a trendy topic. Yeah, you yeah, take, yeah. the spotlight's on you right now. You want to take full advantage. Yep, and yep. even in the presentation, you can say at the end, you can say at the end, I enjoy doing this and I enjoy pouring out and being able to empower other individuals just like this audience here. And I'm going to be here for the rest of the day. If you're somebody who happens to know another individual that could benefit from this presentation, please feel free to contact me or meet me in the back. I'd love to learn more about you and working with your organization. Yeah, I'm taking that entire fitness tag right yeah, there. Now. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. So, um, you know, there's an aspiring public speaker. Mm-hmm. Probably have done some some free gigs, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to get into a way of monetizing that craft. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. But how do you... Uh, 
uh, start to make that transition from, you know, doing the the, the pro bono gigs to mm -hmm. being able to, to, to um, get compensated for it. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with that question number one. Then I have a question number two that's going to follow up. But do that question first. Okay. So one, one thing we all have to know and understand and just accept that you're going to do a lot more free gigs than you'll do pay gigs. Yep. Okay. That, that's number one. However, if you don't capture the footage... It did not exist. Shout out to Coach Kendall Ficklin for that, too. Mm -hmm. You got to capture the footage. If you can't capture the footage, then, of course, you got to get the audio, but you should have the footage and yeah. then extract the audio. Uh, <laughs> but the other part is I've for the probably for the first four years of my business, I was dropping the ball on this. After I would do an engagement, I wouldn't circle back to the person and do like a closeout call mm. and then say, who are three other people that you know that could benefit from my message? Especially when they're excited about the job that you did. They're like, oh, wow, you did a great job. Oh, my goodness. Uh, is there anything else? Because some people, if they really enjoyed you, they'll say, you did such a great job. What can I do for you? What can I do for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. You need to have that drafted email queued up, sending to them uh, a mission, right? So you want to say, I'm on a mission to impact a million entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Would you partner in helping me? by connecting me with three other colleagues that you know that could benefit from my message or that their audience could benefit from my message. Sure. And right there, now you're getting referrals and a referral is gold in a handbasket because we all know people that we trust. And if they give us a, a referral for what camera to use, what microphone to use or whatever, yeah. we're, just gonna, we're not gonna do the research. Take it. We're just gonna take their advice because we just we trust them off the love. Yeah. Same thing applies here. Yep. So understanding that and then everybody don't need to know that the, some of the gigs you did were free. Mm -hmm. They just need to know where you spoke. Yeah. They just need to know where you spoke, what you spoke on. Yep, yep, yep. So this is the, the tougher part two of that question. Uh -huh. uh, say you've been doing, maybe it's an annual event uh -huh. or a, each semester at a college where you were doing something for free mm -hmm. for organization. Now you're transitioning to being paid for that same workshop or talk or mm -hmm. class or what have you. How do you make that transition from a free client to a paid client? The same client, right? Mm -hmm. How do you ask, say, hey, you know, I, I charge for this now. How does that go? Or have you even dealt with anything like that? Um, so in a sense, I had, haven't really dealt with, uh, dealt with that per se. But what I will say is, it's it's just it's just making some tough decisions because you could continue to do that for free, sure. But and and let them know that for this particular workshop or engagement, I know we started out doing it this way, but the way that business is ramping up, we don't have the bandwidth mm -hmm. to continue operating this way. However, if you would like to if you would like to continue this agreement or if you would like if if you know your students have really benefited from us and from our service yep. um, then we can you know we can line up you know set, said agreement yeah yeah, uh, yeah because people one, one thing that that really it, it it hurts a lot of us in business and i've seen it too many times because i've gone into places just volunteering to do it for free mm -hmm. not knowing if they had a budget or not and then seeing them break bread like big bread with somebody mm -hmm. else and i'm like really that's yeah yeah, that, yeah. It, i'm like this is so disrespectful that's a sour spot it, 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 <laughs> it is really it's like a really really sour spot yeah but then i had to ask myself well did i ever ask them like what was their budget or did i ever ask them 
you know, do they even have a budget yeah. for this or for that? Yeah. So how do you approach that call? Because I put, I would call it putting your foot in your mouth. I put my mm-hmm. foot in my mouth so many times when I say like, hey, you know, uh, I, I want to give back. I want to pour uh, into the community, which is true. Those are true statements, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, hey, you know, especially when it's a, a top tier name. Of a client, right? Hey, yeah, yeah. to be able to have them on my portfolio, say I, I spoke there, I did work with them. That's that that that's valuable to me. So mm-hmm. you end up saying, hey, you know, I can come in, I can do it for free, I can do it. Don't worry about payment, da da da. But they end up having a budget, as you see. They had three other people. Those three other people got paid. Oh, I I could have been a fourth, right? Uh-huh. So how do you approach those conversations when you don't know if they have a budget, if they have an honorarium, or if they don't have a budget at all? How do you approach to gauge, you know, where you should, you know, place your comments up front? Yeah, well, uh, in in that case, what 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 I'd say is, if if you've been working with them for some time, then there there should be a relationship or a point of contact that you have with somebody to where you all can just have an honest conversation. Well, I would say, well, what if it's a a, a first time client? Maybe you okay. connected with somebody via LinkedIn or mm-hmm. social media. Somebody reached out to you via social mm-hmm. media. How do you approach that? Any any free gig that I have ever done, not any, but the majority of the free gigs that I've <laughs> done, right. I've realized that it won't make sense for me to do it unless I leave with a with a letter of recommendation, PDF, letter mm-hmm. of recommendation, and in addition to that, they also give me like a testimonial. So letter of recommendation, testimonial, and asking them to give me a referral for like three other people. I, I always want to ask that because if you ask that, now you're taking... Now the seed that you initially planted, sure. now this is the opportunity for it to harvest. Yep. Because they're going to send you three other people and just playing a numbers game, one of the people might respond back to the email. Yep. And then if that does happen and then you capitalize on one engagement, it could take care of you know, what you've done for the people so far. So it still works. You still got them on, you know, on the portfolio and everything yep. like that. They're getting something that, that's benefiting them. And also, you're getting something that benefits you because it's 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 business. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's the part that I think it like I'm like you're an institution. You have money, like you have <laughs> money somewhere. I don't know where it is. I don't need to know where it is, but I just know y'all can pull something from somewhere and make something happen because yeah. you have money. Yeah. So, you know, the uh, I'm, I'm gonna say this and I'm done. I'm, I'm gonna be off my soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> the the one of the biggest questions that we have to like we have to look face to face and, and really assess is face to face with the client or face to face with yourself. Face to face with yourself. Okay. All right. But you're, you're looking face to face with yourself. But yep. this is something that the client. This is the conversation that the client is already having in their head. Yeah. The amount of money that you're asking for. Do they feel like you're worth it? Mm-hmm. Because if they have, if people want Eric Thomas, they're going to find a way yeah. to get Eric Thomas. If they want Inky Johnson, they're going to pull that, that five-figure, six-figure, however much mm-hmm. it costs to get them out there for how many times. They're going to find it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and not to go too much on a tangent, I was listening to a podcast this week by Alex Hermosi, and he talks about that's the importance of brand, right? So before you ever pick up the phone for E.T., his, you know, just from his brand, his stature, mm. what type of six-figure number he's gonna command, mm-hmm. right? If you got ten thousand, you're not even gonna pick up the phone, send the email, nothing. You know better, right? So uh, that's one of the things that 
you know, obviously we don't have the social capital yet, but the quality of the work, right? The way that you're you're carrying yourself, your brand, at least it looks like, okay, well, if it's if his podcast quality looked like that, well, he may charge a different type of price because of the quality. So it's all about that brand. I think that's super important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely about the brand. But even but here's the other thing. It's also how we stack the authority. And this is the part, this, this is the area that I love because authority is one thing that I think depending on who you ask and how we look at our business and what we've done, look at the body of work that we've done, we can stack it up certain ways. Like I've, I've produced easily over like what, 500 plus podcast episodes, something like that. Yeah. And depending on who I put that in front of, some people are like, oh wow, that's impressive. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. But just certain, but that's why, you know, when I put that there and then I also backdoor it with the stat, Majority of people quit after seven episodes of a podcast. Yeah. It just makes me look that stronger. Yeah. So it just, you know, it just depends on what we put out there and how we position the brand for the authority aspect of it all. Yeah, I love that. You say stack the authority. Yeah, stack how you stack the authority. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's an Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So when it comes to public speaking, let's let's do this. How do you measure success as a public speaker? For for me personally, I measure it based on if I got more gigs than the year before. And, okay. and, and, and the, re okay. the reason I say that is because it's, de depending on who you ask, right, some people will say on one side you can measure, you can measure success of a public speaker by how much you're getting paid per engagement, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's one way you, you can measure because more, more likely than not, you're not as confident. Well, oh, I'll make it about me. I'll make it about me. <laughs> I wasn't as confident throwing out certain numbers mm -hmm. until I've done a certain amount of, of gigs. And then yeah. I was like, okay, well, I threw out 2,000 last year. Well, I'm going to increase it this year because I'm more experienced. Mm -hmm. I've done more. And I also know what it requires to prepare for this opportunity. Okay. But then another way I would say somebody can measure, you know, measure success as a public speaker is how are you actually improving in terms of communication? Hmm. And, and I say that, shout out to Inky Johnson, because uh, Inky, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to see him present many times. I've chopped it up with him. And he can tell the same story 21 different ways. Hmm. Who can tell the same story 21 different ways? Inky, he's, he's different. But when it comes to, you know, you really breaking down and assessing your own, your own presentation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Do you have an introduction? Do you have a conclusion or do you have a call to action? And what are people going to take away at the end of the presentation? A lot of times, I wasn't thinking about this when I first started because I was, I was a heavy listener to ET. So yeah. I'm going in, I'm trying to do the ET thing. <laughs> and I'm like, bruh, motivation is not, is not ultimately giving people something tangible to leave with. Mm -hmm. That worked for ET and that's, you know, that is ET and also... He's built his authority, and he has a doctoral degree. Literally. Okay? Not, a, not an honorary. Like an yeah. Actual yeah, he has an actual doctoral degree. So, yeah. therefore, he can come and present something totally different and get paid a total different amount just based on that authority. Mm -hmm. But for some of us, we need to focus on, okay, what tangible things are, we, are people actually going to leave from with the presentation? Yeah. And what objectives are we going to hit upon? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that was one of the biggest things on why I wanted to get into public speaking. Because when you're in middle school, high school, college, they bring in so many speakers, and I feel like they're all just motivationalists. Right? Mm -hmm. They're like evangelists <laughs> for motivation. <And> it's just <laughs> like, 
what's my what's my takeaway, man? What am I getting from this? Yeah. And so when I first start public speaking, I think I was such the antithesis of that mm. that I wasn't given any motivation. I was just going up there and just rambling off facts, right? Like uh-huh. you should read books because one in three people, da da da. You should do this because uh-huh. I was just curating just stats and, and going completely analytical. Now I'm trying to find a balance between stories and motivation and still giving tangible, you know, takeaways. Uh, what is your process of delivering a speech captivating the audience how do you get the audience engaged in who you are because a lot of times for us who were you know relatively young in our speaking careers Mm -hmm. they don't know who we are when et gets on the stage when Deion sanders gets on the stage (laughs) they ain't gotta say nothing right yeah but we gotta we gotta establish that credibility first right Mm -hmm, so how do you mm -hmm. how do you do that how do you get that audience to you know believe in jonathan when jonathan gets on stage yeah so for me i try to uh I, i try to dig as deep as I possibly can. So first, before I try to get there a little bit earlier, I try to talk to you know some of the students out there because you know major we're key. Huh? I said major key. Oh my goodness, you major can, bro. Yeah, because yeah. when you when you just walk up there and it's just cold and you've you know you hadn't taken the time to at least talk and connect with some of the people in the audience, it's like I wasn't gonna listen to you before. I'm definitely not gonna listen to you now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. connecting with them and then asking them, what do you need to hear? so that this was worth you coming today. Like I've, I've asked many students that, of course I prepared based on, you know, what me and the decision maker talked about before, mm-hmm. but I prepared well enough to then be able to ask them these questions and then see how I can weave in what they shared in addition to pulling, like I said, a deep, like just something that would just be jarring. Like I'll walk up there and tell them, you know, I used to, one time I went, I went up there and just told, because I was like, I feel like I'm not getting the crowd engaged. I feel like I'm losing them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, one time I did, I did credit card fraud. And all of them were like, oh. I was like, okay, I got them now. I got them. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, and then I went with that because we're, we're, if we want, if we like it or not, and we want to acknowledge it or not, we're competing against, you know, all these other shows and Netflix mm-hmm. and YouTube mm-hmm. and Hulu and everything like that. So I like to humanize myself as much as possible for them to see there's not that much distance between us. The only thing that's really different is that I have a little bit more life lived, not necessarily more experience because some of them might be more experienced than me. So, you know, pulling from those dark areas and, you know, just giving them that. Yeah. You said a lot of major keys. I think one of the the things that I've realized through happenstance is being Mm -hmm. able to meet with people beforehand, mm-hmm. get their name, and be like, even today, I had a presentation today, well, Daisy says she wants mm-hmm. to be an entrepreneur, so mm-hmm. how can we, and you're representing that person, right? Uh-huh. And so the whole presentation, I'm just talking to Daisy, because we made a connection before yeah, yeah. The, the, the speech even started. And then the second thing, uh, you talked about, hey, you have your little 15 seconds of fame in the room. You're the mm-hmm. keynote speaker. You have that spotlight on you. Mm-hmm. But the entire time I'm up there, I feel like what I'm trying to do is move the spotlight and say, hey, I'm just like you. Like, yeah, I'm up yeah, here yeah. And I am, I am sanctioned and paid to speak to you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am you. Like, hey, let's just have a conversation. So it's interesting that you brought those two things up. Uh, to transition a little bit, obviously you have a collegiate athletic background, mm-hmm. right? And I know you have spoken to, you know, different teams and, and clubs and things like that. Talk to me a little bit about that niche on what you're doing talking to the student athletes. Yeah. So one, one thing I, I've realized just just by doing some like doing some research, being on a lot of calls, I probably did like it probably is somewhere around like 200 calls. And I was asking the people who work with student athletes 
What are their top three struggles? If you were to tell me, like, what are their top three struggles? Then after asking a lot of them, a lot of them talked about financial literacy. I was like, I'm not going to mess with that. I'm going to let somebody else do that because I don't even, budgeting is not my ministry, okay? <laughs> then they start talking Amen. about, like, mental health. And then, you know, with this new thing with NIL where they can make money. So when we began to look at those areas, I took a step back and I was like, well, where can I fit into this puzzle, Right. Because there's a lot of, like, I've taken a step back and I've seen what people are talking about, what they're doing. And I said, where can I fit into this puzzle? And then I began to realize that, yes, we, we eliminate financial literacy. Then identity was another thing. And I said, how can I take what I know and impart it into them to where it would be beneficial and I can stand out? And that's where I, I started with the podcasting. Because I want more student athletes to have podcasts. And yes, they can make money potentially from NIL. But with the podcast industry projected to be knocking on $100 billion by 2030, one thing I want people to also understand is if you take podcasting serious where you're in the spotlight constantly, right? Now, after your four years are up, you've set yourself up for 40 years down the line. Mm -hmm. So going in, talking with them about, you know, the identity piece and even the skills that they can begin to cultivate through podcasting, you know, being able to speak in short and succinct sentences and yep. being able to improve their verbal communication, which Warren Buffett says is one of the easiest ways to instantly increase your network, instantly double your net worth, basically. <laughs> so understanding that is like, why would you not do this? So going, speaking with them, talking about the identity, and talking about the podcasting, because through podcasting, they could have different experiences, research different topics, and learn what they actually have an interest in. Got you, got you. So that's all amazing stuff, right? And, and as a entrepreneur, speaker, and podcaster, mm -hmm. I am with you 100%. Yeah, right? yeah. So imagine I am those student athletes. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite quotes on the podcast is you can take the mule to water, you can't make the mule drink. Correct, correct. Tell me, how are you getting these student athletes to buy in and to actually take action mm -hmm. on what you're telling them? Well, for, for one, you have to. You, so it, it's it's a delicate dance and they already say they already have the excuse ready in their back pocket. I don't have time. I don't have time. But you're already going on Instagram and social media and posting anyway. You're on Instagram live anyway. You're doing these things anyway. And I, what I just have to do, and at times it can be a challenge, it's like pulling teeth, but I've gone to some athletes directly and told them and talked with them and began to break down the process. And uh, one of my guys, J Justin Stuckley, he's down at Auburn University. Okay. He's been running it up with the podcast piece. Mm. And he's doing that because he understands the opportunity that he has at Auburn, but he also has said that he wants to do something in like color commentary type deal. Okay, okay. So, so his goal is doing the podcast to be the next step to, you know, to him having that opportunity. So it's really, it's really going back to what we said before, showing other success stories and showing other people who've done it mm -hmm. so they can see what's possible. And then when they see what's possible and then when they see how anything can be weaved into a podcast, you can do an NFT, you can create an NFT off of a podcast yep. and different yep. things like that. So it's showing what's possible. And then, you know, the mule that wants the water will drink it. The mule that doesn't, they're going to be thirsty. <laughs> It just is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know me and me and my producer go back and forth all the time. I'm like, I, I think you can get the mule to drink the water. Like, change the <laughs> recipe, you know, do a different dance, do something. Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm not 
I'm not too keen on on giving up on the meal drinking the water. Yeah, but yeah. I've always asked every guest, how do you get the meal to drink the water? And a lot of people are like, hey, if they don't want to drink it, they don't drink it. So, <laughs> I mean, hey, it is what it is. All right. So this is called the Secrets of Silent Success Podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're a podcaster. You're a speaker. Mm-hmm. You're, you're an educator. All of that good stuff, right? Yeah, so yeah. what is Jonathan Jones, your uh, podcast mentor, mm-hmm. success? Or I just messed it up. Secret to success. I messed up that whole thing. So uh-huh. I'm going to run it all the way back, <laughs> right? Because I just messed up the whole name of my own podcast. So here we go. <clears throat> Take two. So this is called the Secrets of Silent Success Podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So what is Jonathan Jones, the speaker, the podcast mentor? What is your secret to success? My, my secret to success would be making sure that you have receipts and then knowing when knowing when to cash the chips in in the relationship game. So many of us, we have a lot of relationships and we're connected with a lot of people. But even at the same time, there's a lot of people who would love to help us, but they don't know how to help us. So asking, making those requests to those people who are influential in their spaces, right? There, there was a, there's a coach I'm, I'm, I'm connected with, re- really good guy. Uh, and, you know, I, I told him what I'm wanting to do. I told him I want to help more, more players start podcasts, more athletes. And he was like, oh, Jonathan, I'll help you, no problem. He then proceeded to connect me with some people in some influential organizations. I'm not going to say any, <laughs> any names or anything like that now. But he also told me, hey, Jonathan, whenever you go to certain states, let me know a week ahead of time, and then I'll reach out to a coach, see if I can get him connected, and see if you can have a 10-minute meeting with him, 15-minute meeting with him, whatever it might be. So you got to know when to cash in those relationship bucks, but then at the same time, you have to make sure you have receipts, because if you don't have receipts, then that doesn't give that, that relationship or that person anything to refer back to. Because other people are going to say, well, why should we trust this person? Why should we trust Jonathan? Has Jonathan done this with anybody else? Is Jonathan credible? Do you know, would you, are you willing to put your neck on the line for Jonathan? And then that's when he can point to the receipts. So we got to have receipts and we got to have relationships. That's a huge key. I asked that question to everybody I, I interview and I haven't heard an answer quite like that. So. Oh, that's what's up. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Let's do it again sometime, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you.